The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Hope you guys are having a great day. I would love for you to open your Bibles, if you have them, to 1 Peter 5 and Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along in our YouVersion app. Um, All of the verses that we're going to talk about in there today are in there, I promise. I spent extra time this week in making sure that we had all of the correct verses in there, so you're going to find everything in there. If you don't want to use the YouVersion app or you want to grab one of the Bibles in front of you, Ephesians, or excuse me, 1 Peter 5 is on page 761 on that Bible that's in the seat back in front of you. And Ephesians 4 is on page 732, and you can follow along in there. Um, this, uh, this series, we're just calling What We Believe. As we've noticed over the past year plus, we have a lot of people who are new to our church body, and there are probably some things that they may not know what we believe about certain topics. So as we were thinking about what we wanted to do after Easter, we wanted to cover just three topics for this round. What we believe about God, so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What we believe about church leadership. And then next week we're going to talk about what we believe about salvation. Uh, About three months ago, I was having breakfast with with a friend of mine. uh, And this friend of mine is someone who has a lot of conversations with people in our community. And those conversations always end up with him inviting, I just kind of outed him, um, with him uh, inviting people to come to Westway Christian Church. And in one of these conversations, this person said, I could, I could never come to Westway Christian Church. So my friend asked why. What, what about, what about um, Westway? Like, what's turning you off about Westway? What are you missing from Westway? And this person said, well, I was on your website And where it says, elders, you guys have couple elders. And I was like, wait a minute, what? He was like, no, really, look at your website. So I went on our website, and what's interesting is the way that it's presented is the word elders is up there, and then it says, Dave and Alice Parrish, Dave and Chris Robinson, Scott and Jill Marsh, John and Debbie Thomas, Jim and Linda Miller. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty big misconception. When you click on the name, you see that our, that our elders are not couple elders. Um, in fact, we're going to put a picture up on our screen here in a second so you know who, so you know who our elders are. Those, are. those are the elders of Westway. And that conversation, like so many conversations that I have with this person who, who has interactions with people in our community, and gives us feedback about, like, what, what are some things that we're missing? You know, I think for someone who's been here for six years, it can be really easy for me to think about who our elders are, to know who our elders are, to be very comfortable about who our elders are. But not everyone does that. So over the next couple months or so, we're actually going to be changing the way we present that on our website because we want to be clear about who we are and what we believe. It's really important to us. And it should be important to you. So our elders are John Thomas, Scott Marsh, Dave Robinson, Dave Parrish, and Jim Miller. We don't have couple elders uh, here at Westway Christian Church. So one of the things I wanted to do this morning at the beginning of the message time was just think about what what are some possible misconceptions that people have about leadership at Westway Christian Church? 
So I, I made a little bit of a list, and our pastors and elders talked about this on, on Monday, and there are a couple things we want you to know. So the, the, at Westway Christian Church, our pastors are not elders. There's not a single one of our pastors, myself as lead pastor, or Joe, or Cody, or Zane, we're, we're not elders. And you should know that our wives are not pastors, that's something that, that I hear, and I, th- I think that's, that's kind of a cultural thing, to be called pastors whenever they see my wife and I together. We're not offended by it, but my wife is not a pastor. We don't have couple wives either, believe it or not. Um, something else I want you to know that, um, that our elders and our pastors, we like meeting together. I have served in churches where going to an elders meeting is a grind. And I would say that the vast majority of our pastor elder meetings or our elder pastor meetings at Westway are not grinds. That's not how we look at them. We meet weekly at, six, at 6.30 on Monday mornings and we go till eight o'clock. One of the nice things about that is when it's eight o'clock because everybody has to go to work, we're done. We can, all, we can all go about our business. And then we meet once a month for just what we call a business meeting. We review church finances. We talk about other big picture stuff. So our elders and our pastors, um, we meet weekly and we pray together. We pray for our body. We read and study scripture together. We talk about things that are impacting and affecting our church. So again, like we talked about this sermon. We do that most Monday mornings. We talk about what we're going to be preaching about. Um, and a lot of times we spend time studying the Bible together. And truthfully, those are, those are my favorite elders meetings. When we walk out of that room and I feel like I have just been poured into by our other pastors and other elders and the things that they're learning and the ways that they're growing, and it's just a really great experience. Um, John Thomas, this past week when we were talking about this, he said, we are together on a weekly basis for relationship, feedback, and we enjoy one another's company. Like, we actually like to be together. And as I said, I've been in churches where, where that's not the case. Where, where those meetings are, not, are long and they're not fun. There's no laughter and that's not what's happening here. I also think you should know that when our pastors and elders uh, get together, you should know that there's disagreement. You should know that anytime you get nine different people in a room that have nine different perspectives on things, we're not always going to agree. Um, but that's okay. Because one of the things that, and, and many of these elders have been together much longer than the six years that I've been here at Westway Christian Church. But one of the things that I found in those six years is because we're together week in and week out, we know the hearts of one another in the room. So when someone says something, we can trust that they're, that they're coming by their opinion, that they're coming by their mindset honestly. They've thought about it, they've prayed about it, and no one's judging what someone else may be thinking or saying in the room. What we do when we have disagreement um, is we submit to one another. Sometimes those disagreements are very, very, very minor. Other times we have larger disagreements. But when we, when we walk out of that room, this is another one of my favorite parts of Monday morning. When we walk out of that room, um, there's no meeting after the meeting, but there are plenty of elders and pastors talking to one another in the hallway outside. 
enjoying one another's company, spending time together, because that's, that's a healthy leadership for a church. And maybe you're from a church where, where, where you haven't ever experienced that. And again, like, I'm with you. So we strive here to have a healthy leadership where we want to be around one another, where we talk about things that matter, where we're free to disagree, we're free to argue. I think the only person who's ever raised his voice in that room was me. And it's so embarrassing. And one time when I did that, Jim Miller just looked at me and just said, John, how much time have you invested in this? Right? Like that's, that's how we are with one another. Is we're not afraid to disagree and we're not afraid to confront one another. And it's really healthy and it's really rich. Uh, Dave Parrish said this last week. Um, our camaraderie is a byproduct of our consistently meeting together. So again, because we consistently meet together, we spend time together, we know that each one of us has the other's backs. Uh, you should also know that, that we don't vote on things. Uh, I can count on one hand the amount of things that we voted on in the last six years. And none of it was really all that important, but it needed to go in the minutes that we had voted for something. What we do is we come to consensus where, where maybe there's a disagreement, but I'm going to submit my, my will, my desire, my thought for the good of what's going on, for the good of the conversation. That's just how we, um, how we operate. We, we have a plurality of elders, so we have multiple elders. And one of the reasons why that matters is because there's no one person's voice, except for mine, there's no one person's voice that's any louder and it shouldn't be louder. And here's what I mean by that. There's no one person's voice that matters any more than anyone else in the room. Whether it's our elders that are meeting or whether it's our elders and our pastors that are meeting, my voice is not more important than any of the other elders in the room. That's not how, that's not how we lead here at Westway Christian Church. And I know for some of you who've come out of different church backgrounds, I know this sounds crazy that something could be this healthy. But it is, and it's encouraging. Uh, we don't have a church board. Some churches have a board where there's elders on one side and deacons on the other. And the way that I usually think about, think about that, like the, the elders are the Senate and the church and the, and the deacons are the House of Representatives. And they, they, they have to work together because this group needs, they're going to come to a decision, but they really need the approval of that group. And that's not how, that's not how we operate. And we don't operate that way primarily because we don't see that in Scripture. Here at Westway, our, our elders are the spiritual leaders of our church. So we, and I, when I say we, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not elevating myself to an elder. I'm just talking about what happens in those meetings. When we get together and we talk about things, the elders are our spiritual leaders in the church. We come together and we have conversation. And there's one more misconception I've heard, and I've heard this in lots of different ways over the last six years, and it's this one. It's women cannot be leaders at Westway. I hear that at least once a year. Well, women can't be leaders at Westway Christian Church. And I would say, well, it kind of depends on what you mean by leader. Obviously, if we were to put that picture back up there, you would see that our, our eldership is male only. And you should know and this is going to go back to those phrases we talked about a few months ago, essentials, convictions, and preferences, you should know that our eldership being male only is a conviction of Westway Christian Church. 
It's not an essential. It's not a salvation issue. Maybe you've been to a church where, where elders are women or women are elders. We don't look down on those churches. We don't think they're, they're heretics. But it is our conviction for male-only elders. And we, see, we take that from Scripture. And maybe you have a different conviction. And what I would encourage you to do is, if you have a question, you should, we want you to ask that. We want you to feel comfortable asking that. We're not out to change your conviction on that. But we are comfortable with it being a conviction. And again, I'm saying I'm using that word conviction on purpose because it's not an essential. It's not a salvation issue. But it is our conviction. And the reality of it is many of our ministry team leaders are female. I made a list. Greeting team, coffee team, next steps, missions, embrace grace, children's, and prayer. That's seven different ministry teams all led by women. And that's most of our ministry teams. And each one of those women, each one of those leaders has real responsibility and real accountability. They're in charge of their teams. They receive spiritual guidance from our elders. They receive leadership from our pastors in talking about, like, how should I run my team? But those team leaders, they, they run their teams. Dave Robinson said this last week. A large part of our leadership falls on the team leaders. And this was my favorite thing that he said. In lots of ways, they have more practical leadership and work than the elders. I want you to let that sink in for a second. In lots of ways, our ministry team leaders, many of whom, most of whom are female, they have more practical leadership in work than our elders. And we're comfortable with that. We want to empower, we want to, we want to encourage our ministry team leaders to lead, whether they're male or female, it makes no difference um, to us. So to say that women aren't leaders here um, just, isn't, just isn't true. There are lots of other females who lead in lots of other ways, and, and maybe not in positional authority, where they have a title. But in so many of our ministries, we have females who, who lead and serve our body. We have female leaders on Sunday mornings. So we are, we are pro-woman, believe it or not, if that makes sense. If you have questions about leadership, um, there's a number that we post on the screen. Um, I just would encourage you to send a text um, to that and just ask so we can have a conversation about this. We, we don't fear questions about things like this. And what we want ultimately is we want men and women, young and old, to serve accordance with their gifts, talents, and skills in ways that line up to biblical norms and expectations of leaders. So we don't, we don't care who you are. We want you to serve in accordance with what the Bible says leadership ought to look like. So the question then that we have to ask is, what, what is biblical leadership? Like we throw, that, we throw that phrase around, we use those words, what do those things mean? As I was thinking about this particular message, I, I thought of the end of John's gospel where Jesus has been resurrected. The disciples have all kind of gone back to their day jobs post-resurrection. And Jesus goes and he meets them where they are. They're out fishing. And we know from the gospels that, that Peter had rejected Jesus three times, had, had turned his back on him three times. And as Jesus is restoring 
Peter, and, they're, and Peter's trying to figure out what that relationship looks like. Um, Jesus uses the phrases, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. Peter, this is what it looks like for you to love me. Care for my sheep. And several decades later, Peter would write this. This is 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. So I love the way the ESV study Bible notes says this about the text. It says, the shepherd imagery suggests care, protection, discipline, and guidance. So when we think about, when we think about elders specifically, but because when we read the Bible, we deal with principles, like we have to take something away from this. So some of us are thinking to ourselves, well, I'm not an elder, so, so there's nothing in this for me. Well, we know that because the Bible deals with principles, there are things in this for us. So we think about leaders, we think about people, we, th- we see leaders and elders as shepherds. That's really the role. This describes their attitude. I'm a shepherd of the people who are, who are under me. Describes my actions. So the way I'm going to lead is with the action of an elder. I'm going to behave. My mindset is going to be oriented around shepherding the people that are around me. I'm going to guide them. And what we want to see is we want to see not just our elders do this, but our ministry team leaders and our pastors. And we have sub-teams who serve on teams. We want anyone who is a leading a leader here at Westway Christian Church, we want you to shepherd the people that you serve. Notice I did not say we want you to shepherd the people that serve you. We want you to shepherd the people that you serve. That's your role is to shepherd people, to serve people, to love people, to have this as your mindset. But that's not all. If we flip back to Ephesians chapter 4, Joe read this a little earlier. It's on 732 in that Bible in front of you. This is one of my, some of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of my favorite sets of texts in the Bible. Now these are the gifts that God gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So when we think about leaders here at Westway Christian Church, elders, pastors, ministry team leaders, 
When we think about those people, their, their role is to equip their shepherds. They're to care for you, but it's also to equip you. It's not the job of our elders and pastors and team leaders to do all the work. It's not their role. And when we say the work, I want you to notice there's a key phrase in verse 12, a pronoun. Their responsibility is to equip the, God's people to do his work. See, it's God's work. The pastors and elders and ministry team leaders and other leaders within our body, we're, we're not asking you to do our work. We're not equipping you to do our work. Our goal is to equip you to do his work. And this is, this is a community effort for us. When we think about like what, what, what your role is as, as the body, what my role is as the body. Because in lots of ways, I'm a part of the body. And what that means is, I need to be shepherded. I need to be equipped. So if we flip back to 1 Peter for a second and just look at verse 5. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says this. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, our church body, that's, that's you and that's me. When, when I'm a member of the body, our church body, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. While our pastors and elders and ministry team leaders and other leaders, they are supposed to lead in accordance with the scripture. There are certain things that they are supposed to do as leaders. We, as the body, we have the responsibility to do what they say. We, as the church body, have the responsibility to, to live in accordance with what those instructions are, with what the scriptures tell us. So when our leaders invite us to participate, invite us to engage, invite us to be a part of what God is doing through the body, as a church member, as someone who is involved and engaged in the ministry of Westway Christian Church, my responsibility is to obey. I do not listen to the elders just because they're my boss. I listen to the elders because they are my leaders. Because God has entrusted them to lead me. And there are so many things like, I, I would have liked to have thought that six years in to being the lead pastor here at Westway Christian Church, I would love to have thought that I had this all figured out by now. But I don't. There are so many times where I, where I ask them questions about how to lead, how to serve, how to do something, just because I don't know. And I need their guidance. I need their leadership. And all of us need someone or someones to come alongside us, teach us the scripture, and then call us to obedience to it. That's our job 
And there's another verse I want to look at. This is Hebrews 13, 17. It says this. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over. Listen to these words. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. One of the greatest, we're going to read the rest of that here in a second. One of the greatest joys of my life currently is working with leaders who love you. And working with leaders who care about you. And I'm not just talking about other pastors. I'm not just talking about elders. Two Wednesday nights ago, as, um, as we were finishing up Wednesday at Westway here, it's a little chaotic. If you've been here on a Wednesday night, it's a little chaotic. Some might say anarchy, but that would indicate that no one was in charge. But it's close to that. It's pretty chaotic, right? Um, we've had, on average on Wednesday nights, between children's ministry, student ministry, various small groups that meet here, Embrace Grace Ministry, and all of those serving. We've had about 130 people here on Wednesday nights, which is, about, which is actually more than half of what our Sunday morning attendance is. So we've had about 130 people on average, and it's a little chaotic. Well, a couple weeks ago, at the end of WOW, Zane and I were standing in the lobby, and two, two of our leaders, females, uh, Debbie, we call her Debbie P. Thomas because there's two Debbie Thomases here. It's really kind of wacky, so we call her Debbie P. Thomas. Debbie P. Thomas and Lindsay McKay came up to us. They teach our third to fifth grade class. And they said, hey, we've got, we've got four kids in third to fifth grade who are asking us questions about baptism. We're, we're, we're not sure how to answer their questions. And then we have a list of their prayer requests that they have. And, and we just, we just need, we, we, we need some wisdom. We need some people to talk about this to, with. So Zane and I sat down with Lindsay and, and Debbie and heard, heard what we were at, what the conversation and talked about all of those kinds of things. And it was, it was really an amazing conversation to hear the third to fifth graders are asking questions about baptism. To hear that third to fifth, fifth graders want to pray together. In fact, this past Wednesday night, um, when 8 o'clock rolled around, parents, this is why your third to fifth grader is never here on time on Wednesday nights. When 8 o'clock, when eight o'clock rolled around, two of the kids said, are we going to do prayer requests before we leave tonight? One of the things I want to encourage you on right now is at the end of our time together, we've been asking you to get together and pray. We have third to fifth grade kids who want to pray together. They're leading us in this. And I love it. And it's so encouraging. So I would encourage you today when I say get together with someone, we just do it. Our third to fifth graders love to pray together. I would love for us to be a body that loves to pray together. I wish you could see that. Um, as I think about this watching over your souls and be accountable to, being accountable to God for you, I wish you could see the way our elders 
express themselves when they hear about things that you're struggling with. I wish you could see the, the emotion on their face. I wish you could hear the, their voices when they demonstrate sadness and sorrow over what you're going through. I wish you could hear as a body the loving frustration we feel when we watch you make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. We're like, why? Why? I wish you could see these things. See, the job of our, of our leaders here is to serve you, is to love you, is to look out for your souls. That's what it said. Their work is to watch over your souls. And we're accountable to God for you. So there are probably going to be some times where, where we maybe seem a little heavier handed than what you would like for us to seem. But that's because we're accountable to God for you. Because each one of our elders and each one of our pastors is going to stand before God one day. We're going to be accountable for you. We love you. We care for you. This is, why we, this is why we discipline you. This is why we lead and guide you. But then there's a second part to Hebrews 13, 17. Give them, so notice the transition. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. They're accountable to God. That's, that's the job of elders, pastors, ministry team leaders, right? This, that's the job. Give them, this is your job as the body, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. I want you to think about that moment for a moment. What would be a way that you could respond to the leadership and the guidance of, of elders and pastors and ministry team leaders that would lead us to serve in our roles with sorrow? How would you have to respond so that, that we would feel like, oh, these people are so frustrating? Oh, these people, I can't believe they're not asking us to do what we want them to do. See, you, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility as the body, as a member of the body. I have a responsibility to make sure that our elders lead with joy and not with sorrow. I mean, it would be pretty obvious. If I was causing our elders sorrow, that'd be a pretty easy fix. But I don't, I don't want them, I don't want our elders every single time we sit down on a Monday morning to see me walk in the room and have them roll their eyes. Here we go again. John's going to say something. John's going to do something. That's, that's not what we want from our leaders. That's not what we want from you. It's not to your benefit. If, if our motivation is serving out of sorrow, it's not to your benefit. So here's, here's what I would like for you to do. I want you to, I want you to internally fill in the blank to this next sentence. When a leader at Westway gives me an instruction, 
my gut response is Is it joy? Is it happiness? Is it from a spirit that indicates that leadership actually knows what's best for me? Or is it rejection? Is it anger? Is it apathy or ambivalence? Ah, they're talking to somebody else. Like, how do we respond? And specifically, like, when we talk about, we talk about serving and we're clear about our needs. How, how do you respond to these things? When we talk about the importance of gathering, when we invite you to gather, whether it's here on Sunday morning or in small groups or different events, how, how do you respond? What's, what's your gut response? When we talk about generosity, do you, like, mentally grab your wallet or your purse how do you respond? When I was a young Christian, I often had no idea what was best for me. No idea, no clue. I didn't know how to be a Christian. And there are some days where I still think to myself, I don't know how to be a Christian. Especially when I was a new Christian, I had no idea how to be a Christian. And I'm so thankful, specifically, for the leadership at Marysville Christian Church who, who demonstrated for us what it looked like to be a Christian. I'm thankful for elders who were faithful, who talked to us what it, about what it looked like to be a Christian. One of our friends was the youth pastor in the church. I'm thankful that I had a friend who was a pastor who could guide me and shape me and tell me when I was doing things that were not consistent with the Christian faith. I was thankful for that leadership. I was appreciative of that leadership. And one of the things that I needed the most from that leadership was for them to remind me that just because I was saved, that just because I was assured in my relationship with God, that did not mean that I didn't have work to do. It did not mean that I had no responsibility. It did not mean that I could sit idly by while the rest of the church all kind of did their work. I was thankful for people to tell me that. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't thankful for it initially. It irritated me. It bugged me. But that was their job. Because they were accountable to God. And they fulfilled that task. And it would, it would not have been good for me to disregard their guidance. I, I wouldn't be here if I had disregarded their guidance. I wouldn't be where I am in my relationship with God if I had disregarded their guidance. And what I want to encourage you in today is it would not be to your benefit to disregard the guidance of faithful leaders who love you, who are only acting out of concern for you. And maybe, maybe you don't understand that. Maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you don't always know, like, how is doing this certain thing going to be a benefit to me? What I would encourage you to do is, is to ask. 
is to ask the question. I have another friend here who, for some reason, this person is a, uh, is a magnet for complaints. And I, and I hate it for this person. I really do. I, I really feel bad that this person is a magnet for, for the complaints of other people. And oftentimes, the way this person talks to me about, about their conversation, I want to be careful with my pronouns, the way they talk about their, about their interactions with people is this person says, you should go and talk to the elders about that, or you should go and talk to the pastors about that, or you should go and talk to your ministry team leader about that, whatever, whatever that conversation looks like. And the person or people respond to my friend by saying, well, they're not going to listen anyway. Well, that depends on what, it, A, that depends on what it is, and B, you have no idea unless you ask. See, what that person's doing is they're actually demonstrating leadership. What they're saying is you should go and talk to the people who actually know the answer to that question. So if you're uncertain about something, we, like, we, want, we want to know. I needed someone to tell me that we had couple elders at Westway Christian Church. Like that's the only way that gets fixed, right? Is if we, is if we look at that and we do something about it. If there are things that you're uncertain of or unsure about, we, we want to invite you into that conversation. One of the things that I've, I started praying about actually two weeks ago, and I prayed about it for, uh, I asked our elders for prayer about it. I asked my wife for prayer about it. I asked for a couple different ministry team leaders that I came into contact with uh, this week. I said, you know, the, the thing I don't want to do is go into this message today being like unnecessarily antagonistic. I don't, I don't want any frustration that I have about leadership to, to come out in a way that's, that's discouraging for you. And what I would ask you is, if you, one way that you can help us lead with joy and not with sorrow is if you have a question to ask it. Just ask it. Just come and talk to us so we can do that. Because we love you and we care about you and we want what's best for you. See, our role as leaders is the trust that God's word is going to burrow into your heart. And it's going to make a change. It's going to renew your mind. That's our our hope. And your role, our role as the body, is to respond to what God is calling us to. The correct response is obedience. The only correct response that we have God is obedience, is doing the things that he's asking us to be a part of. I want to go back to Ephesians 4. This is verse 7, page 732 in those pew Bibles. I want to read verse 13 again. What I love about the Bible is it gives us outcomes. The Bible actually tells us what happens if we're obedient to it, and then it tells us what happens if we're not obedient to it. Listen to verse 13. This, so the equipping the body to do his work, to build up the church, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith 
and knowledge of God's Son that will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Here's the, here's the Mohan paraphrase of that. When church leadership equips according to the roles and in the ways they're called to, and when God's people respond in accordance to their role, the results are unity and maturity. Wouldn't that be a great church to be a part of? That was unified, that was mature in its faith. The result of our mutual obedience to biblical leadership is unity and maturity. And as it said in that text, the standard by which unity and maturity are measured is Jesus. We've talked about this so many times. We think about our, we think about our spiritual growth. We think about our spiritual development. We think about our spiritual maturity. So many times we often compare ourselves to other people. Oh, I wish I could read my Bible like that. Oh, I wish I could pray like that. Someday, I want to be just like this person. I want to be as mature as they are. Whatever, like, I wish I lived in joy like this person. And that's not necessarily wrong. But other people aren't our measurement. One of the things that that this text is telling us in Ephesians 4.13 is that Jesus is our standard of maturity. And no matter how mature we think we are in relation to other people, when you think about how mature you are in relation to Jesus, how are you doing? Fall pretty short. So we want to live in accordance with his standard. As a church, we want to have a leadership that's focused on on the roles and responsibilities as indicated in the Bible. And that looks like equipping you. It looks like serving you. It looks like giving you tools so that you can do the ministry that God has called you to do. So that you can do the ministry that God has called us to do as a body. That's the role of leaders. So if we're wondering what, what, what should they be doing, what shouldn't they be doing, that's it, it's equipping In today's Bible reading plan, Mark 10, 42 to 45 was in there. It's on 629 in in those Bibles in front of you. This is verse 42, Mark 10. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. I want you to listen to these words. There are leaders in this room, not just pastors, not just elders, not just ministry team leaders. I would argue that every single one of you is a leader. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must, first, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
as you think about your interaction with leadership here at Westway Christian Church? Do you want to serve? Do you want to serve them? Or do you want to be served? As you think about your own attitude here on a Sunday morning, are you coming to be served or are you coming to serve? Those are two very different things. And what God is calling all of us into, whether, whether we're a positional leader, we have a title, or we're within the body, our job is to serve. And I would encourage you, regardless of where you are in your spiritual development, whether you're not a Christian or you are a Christian, our job as leaders is to help you grow in your faith. And that's going to come when you serve. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather together here this morning. I pray that we would, that our leaders would lead faithfully. That they would serve. That they would love, that they would take their responsibilities seriously. And God, I pray that our body would take their responsibility seriously as well that they would see that they have leaders who love them and want nothing more but to present them to you as a gift, to equip them and encourage them and mature them so that they would be more like you. And it's in your son's name I pray.